Once again, to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rootwork Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Cheerio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy White, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Ms. Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will be joined by a special guest, John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee, bringing us today's topic of the Ascended Masters. They will take your call and offer advice to address ameliorate and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com, and called into the show, then you will be on air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first we're going to catch up with our co-hosts, Miss Cat and Conjure Man Ali. How are you guys this uh, fine Sunday, this Mother's Day? Well, as a mother, I'm just doing fine, <laughs> and uh, and I'm um, happy Mother's Day to all the other mothers. And um, if you haven't called your mother yet, you really ought to. And, um, you know, thank her for your life. And um, if you have no mother on earth, you can always wish a happy Mother's Day to any mother. Because although Mm -hmm. in the United States the concept of Mother's Day is associated with sending flowers to your mother and gifting things to your mother and taking your mother out for dinner, um, if we look back to Chairman Mao and the Cultural Revolution, we find that Chairman Mao revolutionized many of the traditional Chinese holidays, including Boys' Day and Girls' Day, and made them be for all children In other words, if you didn't have a boy or a girl, you were to salute and greet any boy or girl on Boys' Day and Girls' Day. And having read the works of Chairman Mao back in the 1970s, I decided that that was a very good idea. Pretty much every other idea that Chairman Mao had, I do not approve of. But I liked his idea of genericizing these holidays. So when people get all bent out of shape because... Happy Christmas to those who celebrate it. No, just Merry Christmas. That's it. You know, you know, Happy Rosh Hashanah to my Jewish friends. No, just Happy Rosh Hashanah. Every day is a holiday, and Mother's Day can be saluted anywhere. Call any woman who's had a mother and say Happy Mother's Day. But you can say Happy Mother's Day to any child because every child had a mother. Therefore, don't worry. Call your mother. Say hi to everybody. Practice safe social distancing. That's my Mother's Day message. 
I know, just another nutty eccentricity from the lady with um, too many eccentricities to count. (laughs) All right. Well, um, I guess the next question I'm going to bring in is, how are you doing, Ollie? (laughs) I'm doing well, and I love the sentiment of just saying happy Mother's Day to all mothers. So happy Mother's Day uh, to all the mothers out there. It's fantastic. Um, and it is, uh, you're absolutely right, every day is a holiday. Uh, I've been quite busy, uh, you know, keeping busy, I should say, in, in the lockdown experience that, that we're all going through right now. Uh, but today was a, a, a nice kind of reprieve from all of that, getting a chance to, you know, visit with mom and, and, and celebrate her as she rightly deserves. Hopefully everyone can find a little bit of hope. Uh, and it's kind of weird and crazy done by, by focusing on the things that really matter, family, friends, uh, the connections that we make, which is a very Torian sentiment, but I think resonates with all of us. So take today, and no matter how crazy it gets, spend it with a little bit of love. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Now, um, I'm going to um, bring up another little topic here just quickly. We are in the still in the days of... COVID-19, and I'm just um, going to give a few recommendations to those who want to follow up and as to why I said them. If you're not taking a vitamin D supplement, I want you to start taking vitamin D now. Don't overdose. Just take the regular recommended amount of vitamin D. It has been found through what I would call a sifting process looking at a large number of infected people and those who died and those who did not die and what medications they had been taken prior to getting COVID-19, if they were on a vitamin D supplement, they were much less likely to die. So go ahead, take that vitamin D supplement. Mm. Number two, those who had been prescribed baby aspirins or any kind of aspirin for the prevention of um, a stroke or a heart attack or any such thing, or who were taking aspirin regularly for pain relief, if they had been taking aspirin prior to getting COVID-19, they were much less likely to die. And the mechanism of this one is very well known because COVID-19 contains some what are called coagulopathies, in other words, clotting disorders, and so the aspirin will thin your blood. Uh, If you are taking a blood thinner, you don't need to add aspirin. Your blood thinner is just fine. If you are taking something to thicken your blood, consult your doctor. Then, number three, and this is the unexpected one, and this is just um, throwing this out into the world. There is a um, uh, over-the-counter medicine called Femadidine, Pepsid-AC, whatever you want to call it. But Femadidine is the the name of it. It's used um, for... Uh, gastric reflux, and um, it used to be a prescription only, then the the patent ran out. It's now just over-the-counter. They found that people who were taking famatidine, because they had GERD, um, the gastric reflux disorder, um, that they died at a much lower rate, that more of them lived. I'm not saying you should be taking this as a preventive, but if you are taking it, consider yourself lucky. Um, if you have um, a thought in your head about it, hey, it's just not going to hurt you to take it. So there you go. That was your weird news from science today. Mm, and that is only from, from one study 
It's just from one study. It has not been replicated, but it all makes a lot of sense. And um, I just would, um, just on a side note, uh, as we know, a much higher percentage of black Americans die of COVID-19 than they would be represented in the population. And there are reasons for this. Uh, number one, systemic racism, which is doctors and nurses not caring for or seeing as promptly black patients. Number two, systemic racism leading to economic deprivation in which there are what we call hospital deserts where it's hard to get to a hospital in the black part of town or economic um, direct impact of having lower um, paying jobs and so forth and so on, poverty in general because we don't have a single-player health plan. And those will mm-hmm. account for some more excess black mortality. Something else that will account for it is diabetes, asthma, and um, obesity, which are endemic in the black community. The doctors and nurses are not responsible for this. This is the responsibility of the patient, and they should take it seriously rather than praising um, all forms of body, no matter what. You should look at somebody and say, you know, you are obese, and you really uh, should... Bring that under control. We're not talking about making everybody scrawny, but we're talking about getting that morbid obesity down, and that will also uh, relieve diabetes. However, why did vitamin D come up? Vitamin D is interesting because it's absorbed through the skin and sunlight, and um, the paler your skin, the more vitamin D you absorb. It's just one of those things. The darker your skin, a little layer of melanin, You don't absorb as much vitamin D. And it has been estimated, and I've read this in other things long before COVID-19, that um, black folks can get all the vitamin D they need if they're outdoors in the sun. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to survive, right? But with the coming of urban jobs and more indoor workers, black Americans are at more risk for having a subclinical or even clinical vitamin D deficiency and should be talked to by their doctors about taking a vitamin D supplement if they work indoors and don't get out into the sun at least 15 minutes of full sunlight a day, and possibly more for the darker-skinned people. So isn't that interesting? So if you're black, take your vitamin D. Please take your vitamin D. Okay? All right, that was your public service message from the other other end of weirdness, right? Um, thank you all for your patience in listening to me, but I do want my friends, my clients, my customers, and my colleagues to remain safe. And I do put out a little bit of this information every once in a while when I can. It's good information. Yeah. The the number and number two, um, go see. I, I believe it's uh, it's on Twiv. It's the current um, this week in biology. Listen to the dentist. You've got to be very careful if you're going to a dentist in this time. They're going to open everything up. I'm not saying dentistry is unsafe, but there are some inherent problems with dentistry and COVID-19 that need to be addressed. This was the same thing that happened when HIV AIDS um, became an um, epidemic and then pandemic, and um, it changed the way dentistry was done forever. COVID-19, which is carried from saliva, and not so much from blood, is going to really make a big difference in how dentistry is practiced. I'm not going to go into all the details, but um, 
you want to to listen to that program if you have an appointment with a dentist. All right. Now, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, a very wise man um, whose name was um, Mahasiddha Sachidananda, um, he had a little book of wisdom, which I got when I was a kid, little things. And one of the best ones of his little aphorisms was always start with the correcting problems in the material world, mm-hmm. then correct problems in your mental world, and only after that start looking at the spiritual world. Very true statement of old-time wacky guru. So um, the, um, the problem with dentists, by the way, is that the dentists themselves are at risk from your mm-hmm. soul. <laughs> okay. So, um, and of course, if um, if your dentist has had a COVID-19 patient in the room that you're being examined in and the surfaces haven't all been cleaned, you're just lying down in a bunch of biofilm. Not so good. Okay. Now, today we're going to talk about the Ascended Masters. We've taken care of the material realm. <laughs> now the spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> We've touched lightly on the mental realm. Happy Mother's Day. right? And now we're going to go to the spiritual realm, the Ascended Masters. So um, we're going to bring in our um, fabulous friend and colleague, John St. Germain. How are you today, John St. Germain? Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Uh, I'm really excited about this topic. It's a, it's a fun and fascinating and uh, uh, tremendously deep topic. Uh, you could spend a year talking about this topic. You really can. I'm excited, excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you here. Um, I'm going to um, say that this could not come in a better time You've been working on your Shrine of the Ascended Masters for quite a while, and we've been seeing pictures of it um, on Facebook as the painting has proceeded, and it's just lovely. But in the meantime, at the same time, parallel, Miss Michael and um, Dr. Jeremy and I, and, you know, other helpers in and out, Amika, um, Lady Muse, Oniki Muse, um, have been working in this... um, Miss Michael, that I mentioned, Papa Newt, oh my God, well, the whole tech team. And uh, we've been working on the Ascended Masters, and so it kind of collided. It was like one of those cosmic coincidences. We're coming at it from this worldwide web point of view at the um, Readers and Root Workers, and then, um, John, you've been coming at it from actually building this Ascended Master Shrine. So I would like everyone to... um, just be aware of the, and, and maybe the URL can be posted, of the uh, Readers and Root Workers New Age page. And that has been upgraded um, in large part by Miss Michael. Just wonderful work. And then from that, you can also go to the Ascended Masters Hub page at Readers and Root Workers, and you'll see that we're building out individual pages on the individual um, ascended Masters. Now, we don't have them all finished yet. We're still in progress, and I think John is probably still painting, right, John? Oh, no, it's finished. It's finished. It's well, finished. you beat us then. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, considering I have, that there's... Uh, I have a uh, very uh, uh, well-developed uh, shrine at this point, uh, and it's um, 
it's up and running, and I've got some pictures on Facebook, and uh, there's a nice section of the Temple of St. Germain on my website. Um, uh, I, it is a work in progress. I'm, it's very hard to find portraiture of all the Ascended Masters. They're scattered all over the world, various vendors mm-hmm. uh, all over the world. It's hard to find a, a collection a representative of, of all of them. Uh, so I have uh, some coming in from Australia now. A vendor in Australia wow. is sending me another ten. So uh, right now wow. I have. So you're still you're uh, still hanging pictures. <laughs> still hanging pictures, waiting for some. I have twelve up, and I have another uh, ten or eleven or twelve coming from Australia. I'm waiting for those to put up. But uh, uh, right now it's okay. fairly complete. All right. It's wonderful. Well, the photos I've seen are wonderful. But right now we've got a whole bunch of people asking what are Ascended Masters and what does this have to do with the New Age. (laughs) So I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to give a little introduction before we talk about this. So um, the New Age tradition, a lot of people think it started with hippies gone wrong or something, but it didn't. The New Age tradition um, uh, is a late 19th century thing. People started talking about a New Age they were talking about the coming of the Aquarian Age in astrology, which debatably is not did not start at the year um, 1900, but mm-hmm. some people wished it would, and some people thought it would start in 1961, but it, it's not. We're not there yet, but that's okay. But the term New Age began to be um, bandied about. New Age was also being used by the um, temperance movement. It was being used by the um, female suffrage movement. I even have a, a giant potato chip can for a five-pound a metal can for New Age potato chips. Um, so it was a word that was going around. At that time, some new religions were being founded. One of them was New Thought, um, mm-hmm. and that was um, started by Mr. Phineas Quimby and his colleagues and friends. And a lot of um, people confuse New Thought with New Age. They're not the same. They are not, not, not the same. However, New Age borrowed some concepts from New Thought, which was at least 50 years earlier in its start. And New Thought has the idea that you can um, actively create your um, own reality by exercising your thought. And people like um, uh, Alexander, um, Claude Alexander Conlon, Crystal Silence League, those come out of the New Thought um movement and they are wonderful and they they verge from new thought verging onto occultism people like william walker atkinson however um the new age came out of something else there was a a, a revival of of um, hermeticism and and a sort of romanticization of the hermetic um corpus of occultism what we'd call occultism and ceremonial magic and there was also another new religion on the on the stage of that time, which was spiritualism, which started around the same time as New Thought. Spiritualism had the idea that you could talk to the dead. Um, but other than that, also you could talk to um, um, other beings, angelic beings and so forth. Uh, pure spiritualism usually is just about the dead, but spiritualism has usually embraced over the years the idea of correspondence, um, verbal correspondence, auditory correspondence with angels. So, the blend of all of these produced New Age. And the very first of the really influential New Age religions was theosophy, which is the um, you know the study of deity. And theosophy was founded by uh, Mr. Olcott, Ms. Blavatsky, 
and um, and it was carried on by some of their uh, students. Um, oh, and uh, Mr. Judge also. And these folks had um, various spiritual experiences. They were looking to incorporate Buddhism and um, Hinduism mm-hmm. into their r- new religion, and they um, began to. Um, well, Blavatsky had talked about journeying in Tibet, which was a pretty unknown area at the time, although the Young Husband Expedition had been there. And so they were living in India and studying with Indian gurus, which um, you know they felt had some wisdom that was not in um, the Western esoteric tradition. And through the middle of all of this, the... Um, the Mahatmas appeared, and the Mahatmas were the um, these masters that began to correspond physically, verbally, and by letter with members of the Theosophical Society. Mahatmas just are um, great souls, and these great souls were um, three in number originally. There was one named... Um, um, Kuthumi, also known as Rishi Kuthumi, also known as Kuthumi Lal Singh. There was another one known as El Moria, and these, um, and there was another one who was, um, uh, well, he was sometimes called Prince. He was called Master Rakovsky, and Master Rakovsky was supposedly of a some sort of Russian um, who, but he was living in up in the Himalayas, and these. Um, Masters um, preached reincarnation to the Theosophists. So the Theosophists adopted from Hinduism and also mm-hmm. for um, from some of the Buddhist traditions and some uh, Chinese animist traditions the idea of reincarnation. At the end of the 19th century, and um, the Theosophists have have said their work was done. All three of these men ascended. In other words, as in Buddhism, they had been bodhisattvas. They had taken a vow to help others before they found uh, nirvana. But in this scheme of theosophy, there's no nirvana. There's simply a golden land of the ascended masters. And Mm -hmm. they had done with all of their reincarnations. Now, all of their reincarnations were um, logged and known up to a certain point. And you have to understand, this is a religion in and of itself, theosophy. It it had its own um, pantheon. It had everything of its own. And again, if again, I'm going to recommend you go to the air page on the New Age um, tradition. What happened after um, the death of Madame Blavatsky was that Annie Besant, who was her student, um, put a little less emphasis on the ascended masters than um, she had, and. In the uh, breach, a man um, and um, and his wife became interested in the ascended masters. And this man's name was Guy Ballard, and he went um, up to Mount Shasta in um, California. He was looking for gold, I think, as the story goes, and he was put into contact with the ascended masters. And from this grew an entire new religion. It's like a schism. It's like how the uh, Lutherans came out of Catholicism, how the Christians mm-hmm. came out of Judaism. 
right? Mm-hmm. So we have a new religion. And they called their religion I Am, the I Am movement. And if you, again, if you go to the page on Ascended Masters at Regis and Workers, you'll see some of this history and you'll see pictures of Guy and Edna Ballard. And uh, Guy and Edna Ballard were um, leading the IMM movement as World War II broke out, and they became hyper-patriotic. And um, it was declared that um, that they themselves were reincarnations, not that they were ascended masters, they were people, but that they had been, um, that Guy Ballard had been um, previously George Washington, and that Edna Ballard had previously been Benjamin Franklin. Now, you could call it a cult if you want to, but it was very popular, and um, there were some beliefs and practices that in the IM movement that were difficult for people nowadays to understand or accept, and I'll just leave it at that. They were not something that would be um, would fly now, but they were doing what they did in the 1930s. From them, after they, um, you know, passed um, from this thing, a a lady named Geraldine Innocente developed a new religion. Again, this is like the the free will Baptist forming off of the Baptist, right? And this is called the Bridge to Freedom. And she um, added more ascended masters. The Ballards had added a tremendous amount of ascended masters to those original three. Um, The list was very long that they had. It was all of like 18 different ascended masters instead of three. Um, And um, Geraldine Innocente added some. And at this point, the ascended masters that were added sometimes were, I'd call, appropriated or overlap. It was one thing to say that Pallas Athena, the goddess of the ancient Greeks, was an ascended master. But it was another thing to say Jesus Christ, who was currently being worshipped as the Son of God by Christians, was an ascended master. And this caused some difficulty between these religions and um, other religions, not just Christianity. They they also um, said that Melchizedek, a Jew, was an ascendant master. Mm-hmm. And they said that Kuan Yin, the, the, the Chinese um, goddess Kuan Yin, was an ascendant master. So there were a lot of people who kind of went, what's wrong with these guys? Because right? it, was, it was a little bit much. Um, of course, I feel that way as a Jew every time I hear about Saint Michael, because I know him as Archangel Michael. Um, so, you know, religions step on other religions' toes. It happens all the time. Then, after that, um, uh, uh, Geraldine Innocente passed away, and a man named Mark L. Prophet founded the Summit Lighthouse. And the Summit Lighthouse was really big when I was a kid. I thought it was big all over the world. It turned out it really wasn't. It was sort of a local phenomenon, but I was around it. And it was started in 1958. And he carried on the work of the Ballards without being a member. In other words, another schism. And he um, taught um, more ascended masters. (laughs) And he then married a a woman. He divorced his wife and married a woman named Elizabeth Clare. Um, Wolf, uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet she became, and she uh, and Prophet was his real last name and she, Elizabeth Clare Prophet considerably younger than him she then founded her own church called the Church Universal and Triumphant in 1975 after Mark Prophet had died so these um, groups all work with Ascended Masters they are not 
the be-all and end-all of the New Age. The New Age went on in other directions without Ascended Masters, with crystal healing, with Reiki, with you know rainbow uh, auras. The New Age encompasses many um, uh, bits of other religions, and it has its own theologies, its own cosmologies. There are many New Age people, for instance, who believe in extraterrestrials, and there are many who do not. But right now, we're drilling down from the New Age to the Ascended Master Theology. Okay, so having said that, and I know that was a long introduction, but I wanted people to understand this didn't just come out of nowhere. And at this point, um, as John and I have marveled, there are in some churches lists of 200 ascended masters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're not going to put them all at the Readers and Root Workers site. And those which are um, coincident with known uh, deities like Kuan Yin will really be listed with their deity-ness and with just a call back to, oh, by the way, these New Age people say this is yeah. an Ascended Master. Um, by the way, the, the Ascended Masters uh, under the Ballards were very sexist, and so Master was taken as a male word, and so all of the females were not called mistresses. They were called ladies. So there you go, lady. So Lady Lotus and Lady Leto and Lady Magda. Mm. Um, and Lady Magda was a reincarnation of Mary Magdalene, for instance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, All right. Now, I'm going to turn this over to John, and I want you to start, John, with the concept of the color rays, and that comes out of theosophy, okay? Because with all it these sure ascended masters, we need a way to figure out who's who, all right? Right. Uh, but, you know, uh, interestingly, the uh, seven colored rays, uh, appear everywhere, mm -hmm. everywhere. If you look in every religion, uh, the seven rays appear. They're mentioned in the Bible. They're mentioned in Hellenistic Greece. They're mentioned in Buddhism. This idea of the seven colored rays uh, comes everywhere. So uh, <clears throat> we we see them. Uh, the the idea of a seven seven prismatic rays uh, seems to be like a universal realization of yogins, gurus, and uh, enlightened people. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's mentioned uh, uh, everywhere. So this was something that uh, the, uh, uh, the gurus of the um, uh, theosophists uh, were taught or came upon. I, I do believe they were taught this. I do believe they were taught this by the, um, uh, by the Mahatmas. Um, we, we know that... Uh, Madame Blavatsky and uh, uh, Colonel Alcott did spend time with Buddhists and with, with uh, Hindu gurus. We, I mean, we know this. So, um, what we what we know is about these seven rays is that they uh, uh, resonate with the chakras. Uh, and we, uh, 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 gosh, uh, we know that it's appeared in Gnosticism, Mithraism. Uh, we know that it's uh, mentioned in the Catholic Church. Um, I mean, where do we even begin with this? So uh, uh, Hindu scripture mentions it. Uh, the Egyptians mention it. Uh, and in theosophy is what we're talking about right now. So uh, <clears throat> hmm. the, uh, the first ray is the, the blue ray. Uh, and it is the ray of will. It's willpower and is considered uh, applied will as in magic. And the second ray is considered um, the yellow ray, 
uh, it, it is the uh, crown chakra. And these are not in order of chakra, by the way. You don't have this in a prismatic order. Uh, mm-hmm. The blue ray is the throat chakra, right? And it's the wet ray will. I believe that they were probably listed by the theosophists in the order they were discovered or learned. Not in mm-hmm. so this first, second, third, etc. is a order of convenience, not an order mm-hmm. of how they appear in a prison. So the first ray is the blue ray. Uh, it is the throat chakra. Uh, it is the uh, the order of will, uh, uh, applied will to create change. And, you know, magic is applied will in, this, in these uh, doctrines. The second ray is uh, uh, the uh, Raja Yoga, the mental development, the me- mentalism of mind and concentration, and it is yellow. And in a minute we'll talk about the masters assigned to this. The third ray is the uh, natural magnetic forces, uh, the magic of astrology, natural magnetic forces, and it's pink. And the fourth ray is the ray of uh, the white ray. It's uh, a purifying ray, and it's physical development. And this is uh, uh, disciplining of the body. And the fifth ray is the manipulation of physical substances. The fifth ray is green, the emerald ray. And uh, this is sometimes called the, the ray of alchemy. Uh, the sixth ray is uh, bhakti. This is selfless service and altruism, uh, sometimes called agape. And uh, the sixth ray is the purple ray. And uh, the seventh ray is a violet ray. And it is a, a ceremonial magic, the ray of the divas and the invocation of elementals, the ray of the um, uh, the super alchemist, the, um, the manipulation of the elementals itself. Uh, there are five more rays that were called secret rays uh, that were discovered later by other schools, but these are the ones that were discussed by uh, by C. W. Ledbetter and Anna uh, 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 and, and uh, the Theosophists. So. Um, um, uh, these are these are the seven rays as we're discussing theosophy, um, and um, uh, they are uh, associated with masters. And uh, uh, once you get past the seven rays uh, to the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, there's some divergence, but uh, uh, pretty much universally. Um, the blue ray is association with uh, El Moria, the master mm-hmm. El Moria. Uh, the second ray, which is the yellow ray, is Lord Lanto. And uh, uh, this involves the, the process of enlightenment. Uh, uh, the third ray, the pink ray, is Paul the Venetian, who was a, uh, an artist who worked during uh, the Renaissance era. Uh, the uh, fourth ray, the white ray, is uh, Serapis Bay. It was also mentioned by uh, Madame Blavatsky. Uh, mm-hmm, that's right. The emerald ray. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she mentioned him. Uh, the fifth ray. Uh, she said, uh, "Serapis Bay, a very interesting character. He was one of the uh, uh, the the uh, uh, the uh, bearers of the light that were mistaken. He, had, he he was part of a group that was the bearers of light that were mistaken for Lucifer and the fallen angels." Uh, hmm. A very interesting character. Uh, the fifth ray, the emerald ray, is uh, Master Hilarion, mm-hmm. uh, who is a chap 
just during the uh, Hellenist of Greece, the sixth ray, um, the purple ray is Lady Master Nada. And uh, the seventh ray, the violet ray, uh, is our old friend St. Germain. Mm-hmm. Uh, a person we should discuss in detail uh, uh, because he's a very, very, very interesting uh, individual. And, so uh, let's yeah let's let so now we we kind of know these are the major masters or mistresses of those. You said purple was lady, and I didn't hear what lady she was. Oh, lady master Nada, N A D A Nada. Oh, lady Nada, Nada. Nada. Okay, okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so um, Saint Germain, you, you have the name Saint Germain, and um. I know that people have asked you over and over, are you an incarnation of St. Germain? And I know you answer no. (laughs) Yeah, I always say no relation. Uh, (laughs) No relation. relation. It's interesting that that name St. Germain, it's just a name. There are people living now with that name. It's just a family name, Um, but it has some, you know, um, strong resonances. Um, One of my favorite books on palmistry, probably my very favorite book on palmistry, is a a book, um, I guess, early 20th century book on palmistry. I don't know if you have a copy of it, John. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a very large, oversized yes, do, book. Yeah. On, yeah, it's called yes. the Saint Saint Germain book on palmistry. So it's just a it's a name, and I believe Saint Germain, that Saint Germain, also wrote about graphology, handwriting analysis. Um, yes. So there are um, so yes, but it, it's a. I find that these what we might call coincidences sometimes have a certain resonance. And here you are, your name is St. Germain, you've written three books on palmistry, and now you're making a shrine to the Ascended Masters. Well, people have asked me since the 80s, if, uh, they say, you know, do you work with the Violet Ray? Do you work with St. Germain? And I said, I, mm-hmm. I have worked with uh, Ascended Masters, but I've mostly worked with Lord Lonto and Paul the Venetian. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, for reasons that become very obvious, and uh, uh, and I say Saint Germain is a family name. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a great grandmother whose name was uh, Madeline Saint, and she married a gentleman named uh, Alfonso uh, German, German. He pronounced it German. She was his. She was her fourth husband, and he died of apoplexy. It says on the death certificate. I can show it to you. And uh, mm-hmm. she said she never remarried. She said she, she said I've worn out four husbands. I'm not going to go for a fifth. That's how she said it. She said I, I've worn mm-hmm. out four husbands. <laughs> And she said, I'm not going for a fifth. And uh, she is, when I talk about my grandmother, you know, my spirit grandmother, it's her. It's not my actual grandmother. It's my great-grandmother, Madeline. And uh, uh, and she called her, so she was Madeline Saint Germain. And Saint is the middle name. And that's kind of the mm-hmm. joke I say. I say, you know, Saint is my middle name. And uh, mm-hmm. so, it's, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, the Saint Germain was the Comte Saint Germain. He was Count Saint Germain. And uh, mm-hmm. no, nobody really knows his real name. Uh, and... Uh, uh, historically, he was very interesting because it is documented, well documented. He is better documented historically than, say, Julius Caesar. Uh, that people saw him over a course of a hundred years, uh, and there was uh, people that saw him over the course of fifty years, and he never aged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's well documented. Yeah. Well, the count, and, the uh, count, the count Saint Germain is uh, and Doc Murphy, who's. My gosh, Doc Murphy has a PhD, and and she writes, "My head is spinning, so we better slow down." <laughs> yeah, we better slow down a little bit. A little bit. We got to uh, slow down here. Uh, uh, 
Saint Germain um, was the ascended master who was a student of um, Master Rakowski. And he um, is sometimes identified, some groups identify them as the same, but they can't be the same if one is an ascended master and he, mm-hmm. the other guy is a student. St. Germain is a mystery creature. Um, he, he did live, there was a, I mean, there was a number of people with that name, but the one that they're talking about in the New Age tradition, the Ballards and, and people like John and people who are um, like the prophets, um, that man, well, as he said, was strange noted in Europe at the time that he lived that he never seemed to age. This was before plastic surgery had been practiced, so there's no reason that was, you know, uh, logical as to why he never aged. Some thought he was therefore immortal. We don't know why he seemed to never age, good genes, um, spiritual practices, but he was a real guy, and Mm -hmm. he really did live. He is not the man who wrote the book on palmistry, Although, I believe the man who wrote the book on palmistry said, sure, call me Count St. Germain, but I think his real name was St. Germain. But um, he took that name to write the book on palmistry. Um, but it's a, definitely a different person. So, yeah, he's often um, conflated with the Count St. Germain. Yeah. So anyway, you know, so it's, a, it's, it's claimed by many. <laughs> but St. <Saint> Germain <laughs> is... Um, uh, an ascended master who's known for his little pointy beard and his little mustache. He's so cute, and um, his his um, the violet ray is so important in the New Age that any shrine dedicated to him, and even uh, magazines and books about his teachings, which are received by messengers um, in these churches, uh, mm-hmm. they're written in purple or violet ink. And um, in fact, um, the I am movement on their magazine, The Voice of the I Am, it was called, um, St. Germain delivered messages. Now, this came out of the spiritualist church. In other words, mm-hmm. this was not so much through theosophy, but through spiritualism, that the leaders of some New Age churches function as emissaries, messengers, mm-hmm. channelers, yeah. and so forth. Yes. And um, the channeling of St. Germain was with these discourses or, or um, lectures that he would give were always printed in violet ink, and I found that so charming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Ali's been quiet here. Ali, come on and tell what you know about the Ascended Masters and how you've interacted with the New Age movement. Right. Well, I, you know, this is a fascinating topic to me, and I'm learning a great deal. I have made a study, but purely academic. I don't work in in the New Thought movement with the exception of Atkinson. New Age, a little New bit. Age. New, yeah, New mm-hmm. Age. I work more with New Thought than I do with New Age. Um, uh, I'm ju- it's just it's just not a field that I that I got into, but I have studied Blavatsky a great deal. I have studied Theosophy, and I do find it fascinating. What struck me is, because I'm not a perennialist, uh, I do believe that all religions have truth, but I don't, I don't think that all religions are the same. I don't come from that particular background. I think my you know, training as a, as a historian of religion keeps me from doing that. I like to see things as contextualized. So what mm-hmm. fascinates me about uh, New Age and theosophy is in many ways what it attempts to do is create a sort of universalist ancestral tradition. Mm-hmm. We have these, right? The patriarchs of Judaism. It's already there. They already have this. Uh, you have this in Catholicism, the, the saints. 
You have this in Islam, the, the Salafs, right? You have this mm-hmm. in Hudu, the ancestors. So there's already a tradition of ancestors. And what happens in theosophy is an attempt to kind of recreate what exists in other cultures within a particular historical context. And that context is the absorption of so-called Eastern, and we use Eastern very loosely here, um, but the kind of absorption of some Eastern thought. And so there's an attempt to create this kind of universal philosophy of reincarnation and ascended masters. So when if someone's coming at this from the perspective of Hulu and they're just going, what the F is purple rays and violet rays and what is, like, what is going on? Don't be alarmed. This is ancestor work. That's what it is. It, it may have some different terminology, but the technology, if you will, the methodology is not dissimilar. It's, mm-hmm. it's working with an entity, recognizing that there are certain people in life that have come back to assist us, certain people that have become part of the collective wisdom of humanity who are willing to assist. And for some of us, that's our great-grandmother, that's our great-grandfather, or our ancestor that's a folk saint, or cat's famous historical ancestors going back to Solomon, right? Like there's something there. And for other people, it's ascended masters. These entities that they can, they can reach beyond blood connection to have some type of wisdom, some type of guidance. So I always tell people whenever they, they're kind of they're confused about this, I'm mean, think about it through the traditions you're familiar with. Think about it through the traditions of saint work. Think about it through the traditions of the patriarch. And then it makes the ascended masters a little bit more legible or understandable because it is a different form of kind of talking about this work. And it is for people who, who aren't familiar with theosophy somewhat strange. But it makes sense. It certainly makes sense. It's a long tradition of reaching out to people uh, who may not always be a blood ancestor, but a spiritual ancestor. In Hoodoo, Marie Laveau plays that role. In Hoodoo, other people, even John the Conqueror to a certain extent, plays this kind of fascinating role as both an herb spirit, a folk spirit, but maybe also a real person, and then a sort of ascended master or a spiritual ancestor that people can call on. So these figures exist, and they're powerful sources of wisdom and knowledge that people can call upon. That's a really interesting analogy to John the Conqueror. Um, uh, I like that. That really makes sense. Um, And it may be put the ascended masters into more context, um, I I will say that on the whole, the New Age movement and um, the um, uh, attendance to and veneration of and petitioning of ascended masters has historically been more white than black. Um, mm-hmm. it, given the percentage of black people in America, it's been historically more ex-Christian than ex-Jewish, ex-Hindu, ex-Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, But I've known people in this who are black. It's not an all-white thing by any means, although the Ballards, I will have to just mention, the Ballards did have a racist bone in their body, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's too bad. However, the organization they founded has renounced that, thank God, and um, and they are on a much better path that now. And there have been, um, you know, some of these groups have had some excesses, and um, it's in, important to understand that pointing out their excesses or their negativities is 
just as rude as pointing out the excesses and negativities of the Catholic Church or the mm-hmm. uh, of Judaism. Every religion contains within it um, what I would call transgressions against natural uh, mm-hmm. harmony. And uh, because we're all human, after all, these religions are created by humans. But having said that, um, I I think that the ascended masters have really spoken to uh, many people. One of the things that has made them so beautiful, and John mentioned this at the very beginning, was looking for the art. The mm, yeah. the Ascended Masters, the first painting of Ascended Masters that we have is this painting that was of Madame Lavatsky surrounded by three of the Ascended Masters. And it's a, it's a very nice painting by a guy who was a German painter of religious subjects. But um, when the Ballards um, began the voice of the I Am, they hooked up with a man who was um, a really amazing artist. His name was Charles Sindelar. And he was a, a Czech. And he had come to America as a painter. He was a classical painter, very Beaux-Arts style. And then he got into um, a sort of a, a Art Deco style. And he had done beautiful menus and, and posters and things in New York. He came to L.A. Um, following the movie world, um, his wife was a um, a silent film star and when the um, depression hit he had no more work and he had this studio called Charles Sindelar studio he had beautiful things he made things he had sculpture he was really a a phenomenal person in his own right and Ballard found him when he was like looking for work and um, Charles Sindelar uh, designed the magazine called the voice of the I am and Every issue had a beautiful painting by Charles Sindelar, and then inside there would be more, uh, another color painting reproduced, and then there would be purple line art of these masters, and this art, because Charles Sindelar could just draw them right off, and he printed them. They were printed in gorgeous color, beautiful paper, and those pictures of the Ascended Masters became what people saw. Charles Sindelar really has to be praised as the man who put these images together from descriptions from spirit mediums who were saying, "Oh, he has dark eyes or he's, you know, he's short, he's tall." And Charles Sindelar would draw these and they're so paint them, I should say, and they're beautiful. Um there was another painter named May de Camara who is a woman and um Edna Ballard liked her art. She had what I would call the big eye art. She drew piercing eyes, and um, used the same color palette that Charles Sintelar did, probably under his influence. But her art had a more of a waif-like look. And so some of the paintings and pictures are like that. These prints can still be had, and it's common among those who work with the Ascended Masters to hang their photos, um, not photos, excuse me, hang their paintings on the wall. And they come in various sizes. And um, they are used... um, in the same way that a Catholic saint um, picture would be used as an emblem of that which you are petitioning, the the, the one to whom you petition. It is um, common in the um, veneration of New Age uh, ascended masters to make what are called decrees. You get up in the morning and you make a decree. Now, this is very similar to New Thought and also to Pascal Beverly Randolph, the African-American hoodoo practitioner who was a spiritualist who came up with the word decretism, meaning the the ism of making decrees. He had um, 
the idea of volantia, which was willing, decretism, which was to make your decree, which now in modern times is called your affirmation. And then the third thing that Pascal Beverly Randolph has was posism, which was to sink into a receptive pose and allow your blessings to flow. Well, this idea, which really shows to me that Randolph, who influenced theosophy, his ideas still carry on into this New Age world, but the idea of making the decree, what your day is to be, what you attract to you, what you wish to have happen, um, and in New Thought, those are called affirmations, but in New Age, they're still called decrees, just after what Pascal Beverly Randolph called them. Mm. So, John, tell us, hey, if, 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 if one wishes to work with one of the Ascended Masters, um, do you recommend getting a picture of them? I do, yes. Uh, it's like anything else. You, uh, we... Now, hoodoo and ascended masters. I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, you know. Say you're a hoodooist and you say, "Well, I'm working in ascended masters. Can I do that?" Well, sure. Uh, I, like a uh, Kajun Ali says, well, uh, you can treat it. Uh, you can make an altar like an ancestor altar. Uh, I, I find a lot of uh, uh, similarities in these practices. Uh, the um, uh, the decrees, the affirmations, the um, mm-hmm. uh, the process of creating a spiritual connection. Uh, you should uh, read some of the uh, uh, the literature on it. Uh, uh, there there are many books that will tell you how to uh, reach out and make the connection. We are uh, there are so many personalities. Uh, if you look at the descriptions of the personalities, uh, you'll find a a person that speaks to you. Uh, mm-hmm. if, and, uh, for instance, uh, Lantos, I, I, I loved Lord Lantos. I simply, I just loved him. And uh, as I as I began to uh, learn about Lantos, you know, he was the uh, uh, the Duke of Chow in a previous incarnation. Who, oh, uh, the, the guy who wrote the I Ching. The guy who wrote the I Ching. Or the guy who well, wrote the comet. No, no, no. It was King Wen who wrote it, but then King, the Duke of mm-hmm. Zhou wrote the second part. The, com- the commentary. Yeah. The commentary. And then yes, uh, he, right. was al- he, was, he was also the Yellow King in a previous incarnation. And wow. uh, mm. so uh, the more I read about him, the more I said, this is someone who can really give me some guidance. And, uh, of course, then Paul the Venetian was a, uh, a very skilled artist and uh, engineer. Uh, an architect, and uh, I said, these are two masters uh, whose archetypal uh, energies and skills uh, can really help a scattered guy like me <laughs> uh, uh, ascend. So, you know, so if you were uh, looking, uh, and, and it's very odd because, you know, I, I was uh, working, I, I have worked with St. You know, Germain, uh, my my chapel is dedicated to him, and it, it's it's so purpley. It's it's so it is so uh, violet and purpley. Uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. And Saint Germain is a very strong spirit, a very strong spirit, and keeps me focused. So he, mm-hmm. he's kind of like the overlord, uh, the the uh, chairman of the board of the whole thing, and uh, and keeps me focused on it. Uh, so you find a uh, uh, an ascended master, and believe me, you'll find one. There's as you notice, there's hundreds and hundreds of them, uh, and 
you'll find one and and speak with it. I'm working with a client right now, and she says, oh, I want to work with Afra. And uh, Afra mm-hmm. is the uh, patron ascended master of Africa. And uh, mm-hmm. his his name is Afrater. Uh, he wanted to be known as a brother, Afrater, uh, which is Latin for a brother. And uh, uh, he wanted to be a brother of all all mankind. And uh, and she said, uh, I want to work with him. And she immediately connected with him. It was just like, bam. Mm-hmm. And uh, Afra is a very uh, friendly and very persistent um, master. He, you know, he said he said. Uh, he said, I will never leave you. This is this is a message he came through. He said, I will never leave you. He said, even if you try to run me off, he said, I'll argue with you. <laughs> and, and, and I just love that. I just love that. And uh, uh, so these are, uh, uh, if you have trouble working with your ancestors, these are like surrogate ancestors. Afra was the first African to, to ascend, to achieve mm-hmm. ascension. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he is uh, available to uh, uh, all all of the black races, and uh, uh, even if you're not, since we're all descended from Africa, right? Right. According well, to, you know, uh, it's interesting too. And again, I'm I'm going to just throw in something here. Um, there, in looking at the New Age religions, um, do mm-hmm. understand that there were. Um, mm, Bigotry, uh, areas of bigotry and areas of favoritism and Mm. areas of appropriation. I cannot um, deny them. I believe they have been um, dealt with and gone away and are no longer um, powerful portions of the New Age. But if you look at some of the things that St. Paul said in Christianity, it'd make your toes curl, you know. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah. and you know, and my gosh, the things that Moses said that, oh, my Lord, you know, some of those are pretty harsh, you know. So um, we we all have our weaknesses. This is a new religion that's unfolding before our eyes. So I always bear them um, the compassion due to a toddler. This religion, as we understand it, the religion and veneration of the ascended masters is less than 200 years old. It's less than 150 years old. It's a mm-hmm. it's a very new religion. England. Yeah, it, it really did. Victorian England. Yeah. So you have to take that into account. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and but but if you take that into account and notice that one of the good points about the New Age tradition is that so many women have become uh, leaders. It's it's mm-hmm, a it's a yeah. religion that has women leaders. It has women spokespeople, women prophets, including Elizabeth Clare Prophet, um, and also honors women as equals to men. That's a very important. Jane Roberts. Yes, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, so so those are these these religions are uh, worth looking into. And I hope you've all enjoyed this. I thank you very much, John, for bringing us this topic. Follow John on Facebook and see his work with the Shrine of the Ascended Masters. And um, when we get a few more Ascended Masters in at the Readers and Root Workers, we may do a little follow-up, just naming some of them and, and, and who they are and why people would petition them. So um, I think it's time for Jeremy to bring in our reading. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man Ali, and this week's special guest, John St. Germain, will be right back. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. And now it's time to go to the phones, and we're going to bring in our first client, Olivia, who is calling from area code 862. Olivia, are you there? Yes, Hi. Great. Olivia has called into the show before in February of 2018. Um, Things have changed since that time, but Olivia is not calling about that particular issue. This is a separate concern about which she has not had a previous reading. She, um, She writes in... Uh-oh. Jeremy, Jeremy. We, Jeremy, we lost Jeremy. Um, she writes little, in. Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. Uh, she had a brief long-distance relationship uh, with a best friend of hers a few years ago. She separated due to her friend battling a new mental illness diagnosis at the start of their relationship. She lost touch for, with him for uh, two years over a disagreement. But recently, they restarted communication, and she would like to know, Olivia would like to know, if there is a chance for reconciliation. All right. Um, Ollie, would you like to take this one? And then we'll have a reading by John, and then I will do the root work advice. Okay? Sounds great. So, Olivia, thank you for uh, trusting us with your situation. Let me just ask a couple really brief question, and then I'll, I'll do your reading. Uh, so first, what sign of the zodiac are you, Olivia? A Pisces. You're a Pisces. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, given the cards I have here. Um, and what sign is he? A Capricorn. Ah, Capricorn and Pisces. Okay, so uh, just based off of, uh, real briefly off of just the astrology, the Capricorn and Pisces are a funky mix. Uh, it is not an easy particular uh, combination. Uh, you know, Capricorn can offer. There's some things there that there are some. There's some things that they can offer one another. Um, but on the whole, it is. It's not what we consider uh, an ideal mix. Um, and I'll and I'll tell you uh, why that is. So the three cards that I have here. First is the Death card. This is in the past. It shows us the uh, Rider a pale rider on a white horse in black armor, riding forward and bringing to an end uh, rich and pauper alike. Prince and uh, pauper alike. Uh, holy and unholy alike. Old and young alike. In other words, the end of that relationship or the end of that kind of connection was bound to happen. There's not much you could have done about it. Instead, it was simply the fate of it. I read the death card, not this transformation, but as the end of something, the natural cycle of something coming to an end. And why that is is in our next 
card, which is the moon. And the moon shows us two canines and different species uh, crying out to a very distant and cold lunar figure. Uh, and a small little crawfish climbs, climbs out of the waters and walks a windy road. There is certainly growth and evolution and change and transformation going on here. But there is a deeper problem. The moon refers to sterility. The moon refers to things that are just out of reach because they're a hidden aspect. And so the mental health issue is still a big issue. It's one that has not uh, gone away. It's not one that is going to be resolved overnight, and it isn't going to be an ongoing issue for this person. Uh, and even as they get treatment and even as they get things under control, it will spring back up again as the lunar cycle so do. So there will be a sort of cycle of hot and cold, uh, and it's also a, a cycle of a person who may offer a chance for reconciliation, but then who will withdraw. So the moon card tells us that the present situation is not particularly ripe for a long-lasting reconnection. That said... You can hope for some minor reconnect here, and we see that in the final card, which is the Page of Cups. The Page of Cups is a young page. This is why the Pisces thing matters, because here we have a golden goblet, and out of the goblet is a little fish. Uh, indicating that there will be some connection, some communication. There will be an uptick of conversation between you all, and it will seem like things are headed in the right path, that there will be good news, and it will seem favorable, and it will be dressed up nicely like this young pages. The only problem is the deeper-rooted issues like the moon aren't being addressed. So what this tells us is that, yeah, there's a chance to reconnect. There's a chance to make this friendship once more blossom a little bit. But if you were looking for this to be a full reconciliation, a new beginning, that does not seem likely. This is confirmed, as I've also cast a quick geomantic chart, uh, and a, a judge is Carcer. Carcer is Saturnian, it is the prison, it is an indication that things don't change too much. It also is deeply rooted to the issues of the mind. So mental health is going to continue to be a problem. What I see here is that you can do some minor stuff to help repair the relationship, and it looks like things will get better during the summer months, but that there will be another, if you continue down this path, there will be another disappearance around November or winter time. Uh, so bear that in mind. My cards don't really see reconciliation. Whether you choose to go down that path or not is up to you. I'm going to turn this over to John St. Germain, see what insights he can offer you, and as Miss Cat can give you root work advice. Thank you. Oh, well, hi, Olivia. Hi. I have a... <laughs> Uh, well, I have uh, I have some cards here. I'm just reading a, a playing card deck, uh, you know, just like you play, um, just like you play um, cards with. And uh, I'll tell you that I have the Queen of Hearts, the Jack of Clubs, the Nine of Heart, and the Three of Clubs. And um, the Queen of Hearts represents you. The Jack of Clubs is him. And uh, what we like to see if we're looking at uh, relationships are cards that are compatible or have some sort of uh, 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 relationship together. Uh, the Queen of Hearts is, is a very warm-hearted woman and a woman who likes to be uh, in control of the situation uh, in terms of relationships. And 
Quinn Hartz is a very loving woman, a very empathetic woman, and a woman who gives her heart all the way. So when you fall in love, you get, you like to fall in love all the way. You like to give yourself to the relationship. Now, let's look at the Jack of Clubs. The Jack of Clubs is a card I call the Drowned Phoenician Sailor. And some of you might know that reference, uh, the man hmm. with pearls for eyes. Um, he gets lost in his emotions. He doesn't have control over them. Uh, in a relationship, he gets in over his head. And uh, this is why I think he withdraws. He uh, he can't uh, control himself in relationships. Uh, and this is his mental issues. Uh, he When the emotions get too strong, he drowns in them. And that's when he uh, builds up the walls and he shuts down. The uh, uh, he, he means well. He's not a bad man. He means well, but um, this is like uh, you know fire and water. Uh, it makes steam, but it, it's mutually destructive. The the next card is the nine of hearts. There's a lot of love here. A lot of love. Uh, uh, you ever hear the saying, "Love conquers all." I I, I wish that were true. Um, in this case, there's a lot of love. Uh, and this is why you keep coming back together because the love is there. You desperately want this. Both of you desperately want this to work. Um, uh, I, I always, I always root for love. I always say, "Oh man, let's let's make this love work." I'm not saying it can't work, but oh my goodness, um, uh, you, know, you know, it's like you come together and there's um, uh, there's so many problems here. You desperately want to save them. You desperately want to bring this relationship together. Uh, but you know he he's like a drowning he's the drowned sailor uh you know how do you get him out of that out of his own mess uh the last card is the three of clubs and it's reversed two of the clubs are pointing down and one is up uh, this means the past pulls him down he can't escape from the the the, the terrors of his past and he would continue bringing up, I think, the idea, well, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work, and keep blaming himself for his, the past failures. Um, these are the things I see. Now, you want to know if it's uh, worth getting back into? Uh, I, I don't think I can tell you that. Uh, it, this is up to you. You have a difficult job here, and I'm not going to tell you not to take on a difficult task. Just how much do you want this? It's not easy. It's not like the, the sky's going to open up and candy's going to fall out. Uh, it, there, there's a lot of love here, and a lot of love can really take you a long way. Uh, it's going to take work. It's going to take work. Mm, okay. My heart goes out to you. My heart goes out to you. This is well, I see a lot yeah, of love I, here, and that, that, that sure is, you know, that sure is something. Yeah, I hear that. All right. Well, make, I'm gonna. Make, I, I, I took. I yeah. I took both of those readings under advisement, and um, they're they're interesting. They're a bit discouraging. Both readings are discouraging, and um, I I feel for you because it's um, difficult to say. Well, but I love him. I love him. Can we reconcile? But both readings show that that the mental issues were. Um, so much of a problem that that it's not just something that you can lift this heavy weight. 
he's got a, an right. issue of his own. May I ask, and I, I don't want to pry, but you, you said he was had the newly diagnosed mental illness. What yeah. is the nature of his mental illness? Uh, bipolar disorder. Bipolar. I kind of got that already because when, when Alice yep. said yep. the moon, yep. I I tend to tread very lightly with people. I usually say the moon shows mental stress, mental instability, a shifting consciousness mm. shifts from tame to wild, from sad to happy, from up to down. And then I say it's almost like it could be bipolar disorder because I don't want to offend. But I... But right. Ollie is much Ollie is even more subtle than I am. So but I'm here to tell you that people with bipolar disorder, if they manage their disease with medication, can be happily married. They can have um children and raise them, they can have a good life. It depends in large part on how severe the illness is, how long or short the cycles are, and how willing the person is to take medication, even with the side effects of medication, which are not 100% desirable. But I have seen bipolar people succeed, so I'm not going to say no to that. I have also seen bipolar people spin out of control, refuse to take their medication, end up having a psychotic episode and be picked up on the street. And as we say in California, they get 5150, which means they get locked up against their will. And, um, And so be cautious with this. Now, I will give you some work advice. Remember what I said before about about um, Mahasita Satchidananda, start with the material, <laughs> then go to the mental, then the spiritual. So, mm. let's talk about what you can do to help. And is this person currently near you? Can you see them? Talk okay, he, them? He, he lived in Florida, um, but he's actually planning on moving to New Jersey in a few months. Okay. I would start by preparing for his move. If he moves, you're going to go on to stage two. So I would start with a little altar for him, for his um, the betterment and peace of his mind. Um, I'd like you to start perhaps with a photo of the two of you together in happier times. Perhaps just a photo of him. If you don't want to, if you just want to be generous to him without involving yourself, just a photo of him on a happy day, a good day. You're going to set up some things there for the peace of his mind, and these would be bay leaves. And bay leaves are used for wisdom and calmness of the mind. You're going to want a glass of clear water, and you're going to change that glass every day. Um, and you are going to use a white candle, and you may dress that candle with um, whatever uh, oil seems most appropriate. Blessing is a good oil, and healing is a good oil, and you also would try tranquility. So between those three, make a blend, blessing, healing, tranquility, oil. And if you want to burn an incense, you can burn any of those as a prepared powdered incense, or you can just burn frankincense. Don't use myrrh. I know it always sounds like a phrase, frankincense and myrrh. No, just frankincense. (laughs) And burn frankincense. It's a cleaning, clearing incense. If you want to, you can also um, add a little bit of orange essential um, oil to your... um, your blend of three oils 
And um, but o- orange oil is flammable, so be careful. Or you can use one of our diluted. Um, it's orange oil, but it's been diluted with a little almond oil, so it doesn't flare up like a bomb, you know. But mm-hmm. orange is a is a is very good for clearing and cleaning. Um, I want you to prepare for him some presents or talismans at this altar. You don't have to work it every day. Work it um, every time you talk to him, if it's once a week, twice a week, whatever, um, when you text with him. I'd like you to talk with him, though, and get a sense of his voice because that's going to be important in understanding where he's at. Uh, You can tell a lot about a bipolar person listening to the tone of their voice. It will actually rise and fall as they go through those cycles. And um, so um, then what I'd like you to do is to prepare a talisman for him. And this would be a talisman for um, a wise head, a mind that is calm. Some people use King Solomon Wisdom, and you can use a Solomonic seal. You can buy those engraved in metal or in bone, carved, or whatever. But you can use any kind of a talisman, a piece of jewelry, something that he would like, a lucky coin, um, a little lucky elephant, whatever it is that floats his boat, um, uh, uh, perhaps a zodiacal talisman of Capricorn. And um, whatever you use, I want you to dress it with those oils and um, hold it to your heart and pray over it and say, from my heart to your heart, I'm sending love, I'm sending healing, sending blessing, I'm sending tranquility. And then put the little amulet down. When the amulet is has been prayed over for at least seven times, you can send it to him as a gift. Um, if he if you don't want to send him as, as a gift, just you can put it aside. And you're going to make another um, a gift for him. You're going to make a series of these gifts. It could be a pair of socks, but start with an amulet. Mm. And I want you to send him these gifts. I also want you to make a map of the route from where he lives now to New Jersey, where you are. And I want you to uh, draw in red. You can just print this from a map, you know, online. Just draw online a map, uh, like a little trip where he would go to get to where you are. And put that on the on the altar and instead of a cloth. I want you to use that map. And uh, have it so that the part where New Jersey is is closest to you and where Florida is is where his photo is. Okay? And um, so that that is um, a, a way to set up such an altar, and just keep at it and um, and put a lot of love in it. As he gets closer, you can add love oils, but don't start with love oils. Start with blessing, tranquility, and healing. And Jeremy said something in the uh, chat. Jeremy said, "Feel free to ask me in private. I will help you find an amulet for you or teach you how to make one yourself." But Jeremy. Our announcer has his business is amulets, and he knows a lot about wow. them. Okay, all right. Um, so I think that's going to help you. That'll give you something to do until he begins to move to where you are. When he moves, you can call back, and we'll tell you more about love and how to how to be loving and supportive to someone who is bipolar. But right mm-hmm. now, we just want to get the blessing, the healing, the movement, and keep that tranquility. Okay. I just Thank want to say you. real quickly that that zodiacal talisman is so good because Capricorns are looking for stability. When a Capricorn is dealing with kind of mental health issues and instability, that's what they're lacking. So that talisman is, is the exact thing he needs right now. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and, and Earth signs love talismans. All right. 
Well, I believe our next um, event will be our network schedule announcement from the Land of Trolls. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment with Reverend John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com. Take it away, John. Well, thank you, Dr. Jeremy. Um, with uh, with people having the uh, isolation and other hardships, I know that a lot of folks are worried about money. Um, I have a prosperity spell for you, and not surprisingly, it's a container spell. Uh, you'll want a small matchbox, and the idea first, you paint it green. And you can paint it green any way like and get some craft paint. Uh, I like to use uh, casein paint, otherwise known as milk paint. Uh, usually the ingredients are uh, um, natural, and uh, casein paint will last forever. It, it truly is a, a, a solid paint. So you paint it green. You can paint it green on the inside and the outside. This will also waterproof it. Um, and in the matchbox, you'll place a small piece of Irish moss. Irish moss is an interesting uh, prosperity attraction substance. Uh, it's not really moss. It's actually a form of seaweed. Uh, a silver mercury dime. Now that's optional. Mercury dimes are not that expensive. They really aren't. Uh, but uh, you can. Mercury dimes take the place of actual mercury, which will kill you. Uh, uh, optional. You don't have to have it, but it's highly desired for this. Uh, a piece of cinnamon. Get the cinnamon bark. Just break a piece off. Uh, a small piece of lodestone. A small piece of pyrite, and a tonka bean. And you wrap all that in a piece of green cloth so it won't rattle around in your box, and you can bind it up with a piece of string, and you uh, put your petition for prosperity, and uh, you anoint this with your appropriate condition oil. You know, For example, if you're playing scratch-offs and lottery tickets, uh, you might want to use uh, Lucky 777 or Black Cat oil or uh, uh, Money Draw. If you're doing it for general prosperity, uh, not prefer money magnet, wealthy way. Uh, depends on what you're doing. If you're trying to get a job, uh, you know, job blessing, uh, uh, good work, uh, whatever, oil, whatever you're trying to, to attract. And the good thing about a uh, uh, these little matchbox spells, you can make several of them for different conditions and carry whichever one you like. If you're trying to, if you're going on a date, and you hope it goes well. You can make a love box and carry it with you. You can carry several of them with you. And you pray over them daily as you anoint them. They're, they're like little mojo bags, except they're boxes. Money house oh. blessing. Yes, Catherine yeah. says money house blessing. Yeah, that's another one because you can keep that mm-hmm. little box in the house. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, There's so many, this, so many. 
Yeah, you know, this always reminds me of that old song by Blind Lemon Jefferson. I'm sitting here wondering, will the matchbox hold my clothes? And yeah. um Yeah. Um and so, you know, a matchbox spell is wonderful. They're they're very old. They go back a long way. They are exactly a kind of mojo, but they're not in cloth. A lot of people in the old days used to carry those little boxes of wooden matches with them so nobody would know. I'm going to, uh, can I add a little thing to this? Not to what goes oh, inside, because yes. that's not, that. nothing changed what goes inside. You can buy matchboxes, old matchboxes on eBay that have labels on them that are appropriate to various things. You've got to just check out Vintage Matchbox India as an example because they used to make these for sale in India. The matches came from like Norway or Sweden. I think it was Sweden. But the matchboxes were sold in India, and they're beautiful. They're, they're, they have lovely labels. You'll find like Three Torches brand um, which would be wonderful for any pagan who worships the triple goddess, right? Um, there are uh, ones for, um, there's one called Tea Girl, and it's a woman who's picking tea. And it's lovely if you want to have a little matchbox to keep um, marijuana and things related to the sale and trading of marijuana in it, because tea is an old name for marijuana, or if you dealt in actual tea. Um, there's Lion brand. There's my favorite, which is 999. It's a Japanese brand of matches. Uh, they still probably make it. But if you turn it upside down, it's 666. And it's on a black background. <laughs> and um, all of these matchboxes, you can paint them, of course. You can make a painted matchbox. But find out a matchbox that holds your um, wish and the label is already there. It's really cool. If I yeah. told you how many matchboxes I have in my collection, you'd kind of flip out. There's so many. Uh, there's arrow. It's just a picture of an arrow. That's a great Ooh. matchbox. Yeah, yeah, there's so many. You know, you're right. In my Blackhawk Chapel, I have some uh, black, old, old, very old Blackhawk matchboxes and Blackhawk uh, tobacco uh, pens and things. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So you can also, if you can't find one of those precious antique vintage matchboxes, look around on lane for vintage matchbox labels and paste one on mm, and like or that. print it out and make an infinite number of copies. Um, I just love to have a, a personalized matchbox. We sell in our, in our shop, we sell Layama matches. They have a llama on them, a couple of llamas, because... How cool! A matchbox with llamas on it from Peru. I mean, why not? You know, this is so cool. Lotteria, lotteria cards. Yeah, lotteria cards would make a great cover mm-hmm. for a matchbox. And Ollie, yep. you just said, um, Ollie said, I would totally add a seal to the matchbox. That's mm-hmm. true too. You can line the matchbox with a seal. Um, mm-hmm. The way you make that, and, I, and again, I've, I've done it, you take one of those circular seals, like the Seal of Solomon, or you could take one of the rectangular seals of Moses. You glue it in, but you leave the edges up and out. You fold them in over, so it's like a liner over yep. the stuff, and you put the matches, matchbox back together again. Wonderful, wonderful. And if you want to be really uh, you know, clever about it, you do it with wet uh, Elmer's glue, and when you slide it all back in, and let it set face down that way, the Elmer's glue will actually end up holding that matchbox together. You see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want you can seal it. 
I'm I'm mm-hmm. a I'm a big believer in matchbox spells. Thank you so much for bringing that out. Um, oh, that's you're a welcome. I love them that's too. A, yeah, it's a great way to work. We still see them with little clay figurines of um, Santissima Muerte, the red, white, and black Santissima Muerte is done in little painted clay inside a matchbox. And I have matchboxes with little good. clay little clay figurines of men and women kissing, um, Dia de las Muertes uh, skeletons kissing, little matchboxes I love with those. hearts in them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, matchbox spells. Matchbox. The works of art, the little miniature works of art. Yeah, they are miniature works of art. Yeah, that's a that's a lovely lovely spell. Well, there's our theme music, and um, I guess that means it's time to bring on Dr. Jeremy Weiss, and um, he's going to take us on out of here. And after that, we'll come back and we'll all say goodbye in our each own and separate ways. Well, thank you, Miss Cat and Conjure Man Ali, and thank you, Reverend John St. Germain of johnstgermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee, for being our guest this week and for being my dear friend. We invite you Aww. to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers will be William Stickevers of williamstickevers.com in Las Vegas, Nevada, bringing us the topic of astrological remediation in hoodoo. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman Ali at theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Dr. Jeremy. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in the archives via luckymojo.com backslash radio show.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at this same time when you will hear the familiar strain of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Jeremy. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. Come on. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, John, for bringing um, all of your deep information and and interest in this beautiful topic. Um, those of you who don't follow John on Facebook, please do so. You're going to love it. He's amazing. All right. There we go. Thank Good night, you. all. Bye-bye. Take care. Dear. Good night, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With everything you have on your plate... 
earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.